Welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live, exploring Christ and culture. We invite you to visit hillcountryinstitute.org to hear past programs and to listen to the audio and video from past conferences on faith and science, the spiritual formation of C.S. Lewis, and other faith and culture issues with Oz Guinness, Andy Crouch, Eugene Peterson, Alistair McGrath, and many other Christian leaders, authors, and pastors. We also invite you to support this ministry so we can continue to pay the radio stations which carry our program and so we can continue to provide conferences and online resources on topics of vital concern to the body of Christ. If you're just now joining us, our special guest is Bob Schufield, president of Texans for Parental Choice. Bob is a longtime advocate of quality education through a variety of choices, through parental oversight and choices, and using more of the marketplace to enhance educational performance. Bob, thank you once again for being with us for a special edition of Hill Country Institute Live. Well, thank you for having me. Bob, you mentioned earlier that we, we <clears> talked <throat> a bit about some of the different aspects of, of education, different ways that, that people approach education. We talked mm-hmm. about public schools. We talked about private schools, charter schools, magnet schools, homeschooling. The, that's kind of head-spinning to, to consider all those options, isn't it? I've studied them for a long time, so it's easy for me. Yeah, sure. Well, familiarity helps helps a lot, doesn't right. it? Right. Well, when we when we think about uh, school choice, you're tell us again what are what are a couple of the primary reasons that you think school choice is important. Well, one way of putting it is that I believe that the most important, you could say, industry uh, that makes a nation successful is education. The, the investment in the education of the next generation is really the basis of what makes a nation successful. And to the extent that you don't make that investment, it will weaken your nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so it, to me, it's a very high priority issue. It is the most important issue to me because it is the, the most important investment that we can make in the next generation. Okay. And then the another aspect is is the parent parent being able to pick the right situation for their child. That's that's uh one of the uh side benefits of okay. strengthening a nation is to um help keep the family intact, keep the uh lines of authority there to give the parent the freedom to teach the worldview that they have to their to their children mm-hmm. and um, and therefore through that process of strengthening the family that strengthens the children you uh, strengthen the nation mm-hmm. well one of the things we talked about is that uh, low-income families don't really have choice they're they're assigned to a school in a district and unless they win a lottery, and, and this isn't the the state lottery, but a lottery for a charter school. That's right. Uh, or their their child is very gifted and can go into a magnet school studying right. a particular course of study. Right. Uh, they're they're assigned a school, and whether right. it's the right school for them, that's their assignment. That's correct. Yeah. That's so correct. so how do uh, how how does a voucher or other system then work? How, what are the mechanics yeah. uh, if it if if the system was allowing choice uh-huh. how would it how how would that best be facilitated i was going to add that we have plenty of school choice in texas as long as you can afford to pay twice okay to pay your property taxes and pay for tuition so you have school choice yeah, but yeah 
Just had to add that. <laughs> but we were talking about the different choices and and how would school choice be uh, brought uh, realized in the in the state. Well, first of all, you're going to in order the place that where you would get choice and freedom would be uh, in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where. Uh, it's funny that most of our nation's eco- economics is run on that um, principle, but there are two industries in the United States where that isn't true, and one of them is the post office, mm-hmm. and the other is the schools. I always say, well, fortunately, the post office is almost obsolete now with email and so <laughs> forth. So it, we, it may cost us money, but at least it's not causing problems. <laughs> yeah. Snail mail has a connotation all its own now, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. But, but poor performance in schools has a huge impact mm-hmm. on the society. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. Okay. So if, so if you're a low-income family today... Some some states have some private programs, some public programs, but they're 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 called vouchers or, or other terms. Right. The uh, opponents have kind of made voucher a dirty word, which mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, you know, it doesn't mean any uh, negative aspect to me. But another uh, word would be what I like is portable scholarships. Okay. In other words, typically. In the university level, we give a scholarship to a child, and usually that's associated with a school predominantly. But this would be a scholarship for a child that is portable. In other words, the the parent can choose this school or that school. And if they start attending uh, one school and decide that it's not the best fit for their child, Mm -hmm. that they can move that scholarship to another school. So okay. I like portable scholarships the best. Okay. And that and then and then that puts a, a low-income family in the same position as a high-income family. That's right. So it gives right. them the funds to, to decide for their child. Right. And that's, right. And, and that's ultimately, isn't that really the mechanical key of how it all works? Yes, yes. It's... Um, it's, it's a system to try to bring the benefits of um, market a market system, a free enterprise system, to the school system mm-hmm. to, to mimic those benefits of a okay. free enterprise system. So then the, then the parent observes his, his and her child right. and their needs and where they are, and they try to make the best match that they can make right. with that portable scholarship. Yeah, I always say it's, it's great when you can have school shopping, mm-hmm. shopping for schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are a few classic arguments against school choice. Sure. One one is the uh, potential for taking funding away from public schools. And I think right. that's the first thing that, that, that comes to mind. You see it in, in articles. You, you, you see it, uh, hear it, you know, when people are being interviewed. So does, does school choice actually take money away from public schools and result in a lower quality education in a public school? Right. Um, well, uh, first of all, you have to ask the question, are you taking um, a certain amount of money from a school that that um, 
was the same as it was before, or are you talking about amount of money per student with the laws that have been proposed? The the law that's been proposed in Texas, uh, first of all, it gives an approximation of what, how much money is uh, used in the public schools per student, and Right now, that's approximately $10,000 a student per year. So the idea behind the voucher or portable scholarship in Texas, the the law is to only give the child $8,000. So the logic there is the the, um, public school... Uh, is released from the prop from the obligation of teaching that particular child, but they gain they keep two thousand dollars, and they're not obligated for that child. So on a per child basis, the law actually gives them more money. Okay, but typically their argument is back to the total amount of money, not the per child amount of money but the total amount of money. And, of course, there's no way that you can teach a child for uh, for free. So you have to take some of the money away mm-hmm. uh, in order to teach the child. And so on a per-child basis, the public school gets more. Um, but there's also, you look from the, from the perspective, there's a lot of things in the public school that are not based on a per-child basis. For example, football stadiums. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes the same amount of money to build a football stadium whether you have, um, you know, a 1,000 kids or whether you have 999 kids. Um, And, you know, theaters, uh, basketball courts, uh, this... um, I guess the um, infrastructure of a school uh, is a fixed cost. And um, it is not associated with a per-child basis. So that's, I think, what what the – those that argue against uh, school choice are making, that there's capital costs that – are not on a per-child basis. Well, in, a, in one study uh, by Richard Rothstein, uh, he, he tried to define what regular education is. Mm-hmm. And, and he said that <clears throat> regular education doesn't include uh, administration costs, dropout prevention, programs serving at-risk youth, bilingual education, lunch and breakfast subsidies, student activities, security and violence prevention, attendance control, health programs, counseling, and other, some other programs. So he said, once you take those away, then what we're spending on, quote, regular education really isn't nearly as big as, as that total of 10000 that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and the growth in education spending has, to some degree, gone that direction. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what you're talking Absolutely. about, isn't it, with football stadiums and those kind of well, that, issues? That's, those are capital investments. But yeah. also the, the, the trend that he's talking about is really – the um, the addition of 
um, administrators or uh, special um, uh, education people and uh, a lot of different, you know, um, low-income, um, um, multiple language and so forth, that these are specialists that have been um, added over and above the classroom teacher and okay. that um, a lot of research has shown that actually more money goes into these administrative positions on total basis as opposed to the classroom teachers and that um, many would um, argue that they are ancillary to really what's going on and the way that a school can save money mm-hmm. is to have less of these administrative or special um, uh, special needs types of, of mm-hmm. could I call use the word bureaucracy, okay. um, that uh, it's a place where uh, schools could save a tremendous amount of money. So it, it seems there's a sort of institutional inertia that can develop in any institution and mm-hmm. because of the nature of public funding and, and public oversight that these mm-hmm. programs can expand. And in, in cases, certain cases, these programs have great value, you know, for autistic children or whatever, but sure. but it's not necessarily getting to the, the core of increasing educational performance, is it? Yes. Um, and that's the, you know, the reason why that doesn't happen in the private sector is because you get a certain amount of money and deliver a certain product, and you can only expand when you can afford to expand. Mm-hmm. It's not um, um, saying, well, we really want a bigger school, more infrastructure, and uh, more special uh, administrators. Uh, you can't do that in the private sector, but you can in the public sector. And so... Um, Institutions grow that way because they're not pressured with um, the bottom line in the private sector like they would be in the private sector. Sure. There's another another issue of accountability. You know, testing is often standardized. Testing takes a lot of different forms. There's, there's, I don't want to necessarily go into arguments about whether we're over-tested, the tests are appropriate. Yeah. But how does, how does accountability work and, and look in, in a more of a free market approach to education? Right. Yes, a lot of um, the rhetoric that's opposed to school choice would say, well, uh, you're sending money to a private school and that school is not accountable to the state in terms of necessarily taking um, a end-of-year comprehensive test, and they're not required to do that, although some laws do say that the private school is uh, required to give some sort of nationally normed test. But is that a state-by-state law? Uh-huh. Well, I, I guess it depends on the law, you know, okay. uh, Probably some states it's required and some states it isn't. I mean, you know, the um, each one of the school choice laws in different states are not carbon copies of them, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it varies on the state. But uh, 
my position is that this is uh, the idea of a test at the end of the year or maybe the end of the semester or six weeks or so forth is uh, only a small uh, measure of accountability, whereas in the private sector, you have much more accountability. And the reason why is because every day, every hour of every school day, the parent can walk in there and say, you're not doing a good job for my child. I'm taking him out and I'm taking him across the street to this other school, mm-hmm. which is the power of free enterprise is that the the reason why this department store competes with that department store and they try to get lower prices sure. is because their customers have the freedom to go across the street. Yeah. And, and um, that is really um, the real test of accountability is can the person that knows, the parent is the one who would know more than anyone else, whether that child is getting a good education, that they can, any particular day of the year, remove their child. And then the school would feel the financial consequences of that. Sure. It, it seems in private enterprise, you either deliver a lower price, you deliver a higher quality, or you solve somebody's problem. You know, that's, sure. those are about the three things that I can think of that make a, make a, a, a buy decision. Right. right. So it, in, in this case, you... you Low low price may be the public school, but higher quality, if you had the capacity to pay for it, it solves a problem, which is educating my child. Right, you know, right. So that, that, I think being able to apply that same criteria, right. thought process, is what you're what you're. And the argument about. is that that's much more accountability than a test at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, a, there's a, another um, issue that comes up, which is freedom of religion. Or religion in a school setting that the uh, sure. public funds are applied to. Sure. Now, there's been a Supreme Court decision about that, and how does mm-hmm. how does that play out? What what is the nature of how that has, has worked itself out? Yes, um, that um, case. I remember it has the word Zelman in it. I don't know remember the rest of it, but it, and it was at least ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But the Supreme Court argued that even if religious schools are included as options in a voucher system, that the reason why that's not violating the First Amendment is because the funds coming from the government are given to the parent. Okay. And the parent makes the decision about where the money's going. So it's not, uh, the Supreme Court argues that it's not the government that's making the choice of whether the money goes to a um, religious school or not. It is the parent that's making the choice. And so it doesn't violate the First Amendment mm-hmm. because of that. Okay. Another another question that comes up is about segregation or stratification. Mm-hmm. As it stands today, you go – well, if if you're not in a position to do anything other than a public school – Mm-hmm. You're going to the one that's closest to you. Right. Generally speaking, there may be busing. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that. But but generally speaking, you're in a district. Yeah. Now, how does how does choice impact segregation or stratification of students? Sure. Um, uh, private school vouchers, uh, I think, 
greatly increases the amount of integration. Um, right now, uh, the attendance zones for public schools are measured geographically. We all know that in society, those of the same culture like to live together. They, you know, um, so you'll have one side of town with wealthy families. You'll have another side of town that uh, where, let's say, poor Latins would like to stay, and then another one where uh, low-income uh, African Americans would like to stay. So, so there's just a tendency in society for races to like to live together. We have common uh, values, and and we we just know each other better if it's the same race or the same culture. Mm-hmm. Um, well, since you're selecting childs for a school geographically, then that mirrors this tendency for segregation that um, is done geographically just by the nature of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess if you could pass a law and force people <laughs> to go to different neighborhoods, I guess that probably isn't going to pass because it's such a huge violation on the, on the adult. Mm-hmm. But um, since they, since they tend to do that, then when you choose the kids um, geographically, then you mimic that type of segregation in the schools. Mm-hmm. And one of the advantages of private schools is that you don't have a school district. And so families can uh, go to other schools that may be more of a mix. Um, if you have a school that's maybe a, it, it could be a Catholic school that is uh, situated um, to where both uh, Latins and uh, African Americans could go to, and if it's a good school, that would you know the, the racial issue would not be an issue. They would you know they they would both be attracted to the to the excellence of the school rather than be assigned geographically to a particular school. Mm-hmm. If, if they're attracted to a school and they're low income, transportation is something that also comes up as a question. How do you, how do you respond to that question? <clears throat> um, yes, that um, comes up. I'm su- surprised that it's such an issue. Um, but anyway, um, the, really what the picture is is that right now, we have virtually no private schools on the poor side of town. And all the private schools are on the wealthy side of town. Well, obviously the reason currently why they are is because on the wealthy side of town, parents have discretionary income. And so if they don't like the public school that they're attending, then they can either move to another school district or they can pay private school tuition. And so so on the wealthy side of town, the public schools are subjected to financial pressure uh, because of the power of the parents to either move or enroll in a private school. The performance incentive is there. That's right. That's right. Now, you don't have that on the poor side of town. There's no There's no discretionary income that could be used for a private school. 
And um, so where would, if you have a school choice, would the parents want to go across town to um, an environment that is um, very high income and they come across and they're low income. I don't think that that would ever happen. I think what is going to happen is that there's a lot of churches on the poor side of town um, of all denominations, and they have a building. The problem is, is they can't afford to pay teachers, so they have they already have the the real estate. They just need money to pay the teachers, and so in that environment of a voucher system, suddenly you have the financial demand for creating schools on the poor side of town that will probably be within walking distance of the of the kids. Sure. It's a, the financing. Right. The so gaps, say that yeah. in that situation, there is no transportation problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's almost an infinite way, infinite number of ways that you might solve the transportation problem using friends, transportation, sure. buses, et cetera. So, Carpools, buses. Yeah. yeah the, the school might have a, you know, a yeah. small bus. So. And Christians have uh, a deep belief that we're made in the image of God and God is a creative God. <laughs> yes. So we can be creative too. Yes. We can figure out a way to get. And you, you think if, if the school is receiving money from this parent, they have an incentive to get the kid to the school. So there's another angle That's to right. get help. That's right. Bob, thank you very much for being with us today. We appreciate all of your insight on, on school choice, your desire for quality education, and for the family to really be honored and parental choice to be honored. And so we hope that uh, you, you'll be able to continue this ongoing effort to educate people about school choice. Now, thank you. Thank you. Now, if you've come in late, this is Hill Country Institute Live. We invite you to visit hillcountryinstitute.org where we have podcasts of previous programs and lots of audio and video from past conferences. We ask you to consider a donation to support this program. The radio stations really like to be paid. So join us again as we welcome future guests, including James Sire, George Yancey, Nancy Piercy, and John Navy. Thank you again for being with us. Walk in grace with the heart and mind of Christ.